Hello, and welcome to Mad Millennial Media Munchers, a casual and Canadian bi-weekly media discussion podcast. I'm Zach. My name's Juliana. And we're finally doing this. After so long, we, we've finally been able to scrape together and get recording. How are you doing, Juliana? Well, I'm not too bad. A little bit tired. It's been a long week, but... We get a, uh, a surprise day off, so I can't complain. <laughs> mm, yeah, I'm glad that you at least get that off, because you've been working really hard lately, and you deserve it. I unfortunately do not get that off, um, oh. being a private sector worker. Right, of course. <laughs> um, but uh, that's okay. I, I, get, I get like two weeks off a year, so I cannot complain. Yeah, it'll be good for you at least. Yeah. So, you went to PAX two weeks ago. I did. It's the first time I've been in, like, three or four years. Basically, it's the first time since the pandemic happened. It did run last year. I didn't go because I wasn't quite comfortable about it yet. But uh, this year, I decided to make the uh, the pilgrimage uh, to Seattle to see what's happening. Um, it was interesting. I'd heard from some friends about the eastern one that a lot of the big names hadn't shown up like nintendo microsoft sony square enix weren't there for eastern uh mostly the same for western this year nintendo did make a showing though um there but like their whole thing was basically like a little bit of pokemon and like major splatoon focus because it was coming out a week later yeah so this was your second pax technically it's my third but it's my first one where i actually went for all four days Oh wow, okay. Yeah, my my first one was like only one day, like several, several years ago. <laughs> ah. I can't imagine doing all four days of a of a convention like that, because most cons here in BC are like two and a half days. Yeah, that's true. I found um uh, I actually found four days to be pretty good. Uh, I had that same worry. I'm like, man, do I really need to like pay tickets for four days um, of convention? Uh, but having done it now, I'm actually really quite glad that I did. Because even though that this is uh, this year's PAX was um, not as busy as it was with the amount of people and the amount of content as it was in the last time I went, I still found that like there's probably still more stuff I could have done with, for instance, like, a fifth day. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it, it allows her enough time, four days allows her enough time to, like, go see some stuff, still have enough time to go back to the hotel, to grab dinner, to rest, so I'm not going, like, 16 hours a day. <laughs> Do you think you were able to see, like, most of what the convention had to offer? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, the plus side to there not being quite as many big name companies there this year meant that like um it got filled up for like a lot of little indie games and such and the lines for those aren't nearly quite as bad as they get to be when you've got like square enix doing some gigantic presentation right yeah i remember you telling me a bit about the lines and and someone taking up a bit too much time at a demo yeah there's um I'm in a toss-up sometimes when it comes to game demos, especially at events like this where there are a lot of people. Um, there was one company that had 
their demo and they had like three uh, kind of arcade machine looking booths set up to play. But the line I was in, it's like it's an enclosed level. So once you, you started it, you finished it, and that was it. But there was no time limit on it. So while it was a level that, for instance, most people were getting through in 15, 20 minutes, like there was a guy at the front of my line who was in there uh, playing for a solid 55 minutes on that level. Oh, God. So I get in a little bit of a toss-up, where one part of me thinks at a convention this big, there should be a time limit. On the downside, it means there are some people who won't finish the level if they don't, like, have, like, a focus to try to make it to the end of there. But I think, I think, like, even, like, a 25-minute time limit would have been fine. Because I saw somebody finish that same level in, like, 12 minutes, and someone else who took a little bit of time, talked to a few extra people who finished it in about, like, 20 minutes. Um, but yeah, this, this person was just was just going and talking to everybody and like everything and sometimes a couple times over and just backtracking into areas repeatedly yeah they were out it for about 55 minutes <laughs> oh my god that's so frustrating now, I, I definitely agree with you that there should be some kind of hard time limit set like i i i would say like a reasonable like 30 minutes at most but you're yeah if if People can get it done in 20 minutes. I, 25 minutes is reasonable. Like, you you need to keep the line moving. Mm -hmm. What else did you see there? So I... Um, yeah, a lot of smaller indie companies just kind of, like, demoing their games. Um, like, there's a little a little rhythm game that's, like, a, like a platformer. It's, it, it's really, really, really an alpha still. But uh, it was like a little platformer rhythm game, so you'd have to you'd have to jump around. But then there'd be like the circles that have the timing outer ring circle that would come into the middle, and then when it hit that, you'd have to like hit the corresponding up, down, left, right key uh, for the timing on that note before you kept going through the stage. Um, Interesting. <laughs> there was I tried the Pokemon TGC for like the first time ever actually playing the game and not just like collecting the cards um oh did they have like people playing the trading card game there yeah it wasn't um there wasn't a tournament this time but it was a little bit more of like a demo showcase type of thing i guess there must be a new booster set that's coming out i admittedly don't really follow the tgc anymore after like the first three expansions where i was just collecting cards but yeah they had um they had a really big booth promoting it, and it, it had quite a sizable lineup. I actually didn't go until Monday, but it, it turns out the line was more daunting than it looked. They moved people through pretty quickly with all the stations they had set up. Cool. Yeah, you you went in there, they had you uh, play against another like person in the line um, with a couple little, uh, like a little game mode, one which was like considered catching pokemon by like laying a few out on the field and then uh topping them up to the energy types that they needed to be able to catch them um and it was like first of three wins and then they actually gave after that one um and a small like a really base tutorial about evolving pokemon they actually you'd go up to a counter and they gave you a free pin which was super cute it's like three cards fanned out and a pikachu like laying in front of it on its basically on its elbows holding its chin oh. <laughs> And then they give you um, uh, like a 30 card 
deck. And then with that 30 card deck, you could go to the next station and actually crack open the deck and play that deck against another person. And um, if you did that, then you go back to the counter and they give you like a booster pack and another uh, 30 card deck to make you, to give you a full 60, 60 cards there. No, but it was it was interesting though because there's there's some things I never knew because I like I said I was a collector I wasn't a player. Yeah, I I remember collecting the cards as a kid, but I don't think I have ever played a game of Pokemon the trading card game. Yeah, there, there's some things I wasn't expecting like being able to evolve Pokemon is not like some crazy convoluted thing it's in it, it really baseline it's like basically if you've had them on the field or on your bench for a turn already and you've got the next evolution card in hand you can just evolve it on the spot pretty much wow um, there's no like additional cost to it they just had to have been out for a turn um something else that i didn't realize was energy cards they you're more familiar with magic right Yes, yeah. I, I play ma magic casually from time to time. Yeah, so energy cards are kind of your equivalent to mana where you need to spend so and so much energy to be able to use particular attacks and stuff like that. Right. The thing I, that I, I just, I never realized before, and maybe I should have considering um, how many energy cards go into a deck, is you don't actually discard those energy cards after you've used the move with them. They just sit it's, it's kind of like lands in Magic, where they're a permanent card that you, I guess you tap. Do you, like, do you, do you tap it to, like, determine that you've used it? Uh, you probably could, but, um, we didn't, because you, you kind you really only battle one Pokemon at a time, so it's not like you have to keep track of lands being, like, lands mana being used here and here and here. It's just like, it's just like, this Mon attacks, that's my, like... That's my turn with the consumption of the energy. Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize it was. I did not realize that it was a one-on-one -on -one game. That's interesting. There might be like two v two for for card battle. I'm not sure. Like I, I can't say for sure. And the only reason why I think there might be is because like the video games allow for two v two Pokemon battle. So maybe there's a variant of card battle that's two v two. I couldn't tell you. But yeah, for some reason I really thought that you essentially had to like discard and reload all of the the energy or, or at least like consume and somehow reload all of the energy cards of them on but no they just stay there so once you've got your like four energies on a pokemon with a particularly strong attack you can just keep using that thing over and over and over again <laughs> cool anything else interesting happening at the convention i had a hell of a time with my hotel reservation <laughs> oh no oh my gosh so i got there on Friday morning, my hotel reservation was supposed to be for three o'clock, and I realized at a point that like I was like, oh, I was supposed to get an email for the check-in for the hotel because it was closer. I, I I really shouldn't call it a hotel. It was more of an Airbnb, but I booked it through like a travel agency website, and I got this thing saying, yeah, 72 hours before your check-in time, you should receive an email that has like. Um, essentially the instructions for a self-check-in and a code to get through the door. And I realized, I never got that email. <laughs> oh no. So I called the, um, like the management for that, that hotel, because like they don't have a front desk, that's why I say it's closer to an Airbnb, but I'm just going to call it a hotel for ease of, uh, yeah. ease of conversation. Um, so I called basically the manager for that, and they looked me up, and they couldn't find like... 
my booking number and they couldn't find my they couldn't find anything about me and they're like the room is already booked i'm like well crap i'm in a different country in a different city at present with no place to sleep oh, and i'm no. here for four days <laughs> and did you drive down there uh, yeah, and I drove down. So I guess, like, in a really, really big pinch. Like, yeah, you could have slept I, in the vehicle, but the that, that still, <laughs> that would have been rough. Yeah. Because, like, the, originally, the place I picked originally was because it was really close walking distance to the convention. It was, like, maybe a 10-minute walk. Right. 15-minute walk to the convention site, which is why I picked it. Um, and it was relatively inexpensive. But, uh, so yeah, they couldn't find my reservation anywhere. Um, so I called, uh, like they gave me a phone number for another help desk call and I basically got bounced to eight different people. Oh my God. This is a, this is a horror story. <laughs> Trying to go from like the hotel help to like the travel agency company that I booked with who would bounce me back to the hotel help who were like, we can't access this. Like I can't change anything on this account here. Call these people and said it was just back and forth and back and forth oh my lord and for like two and a half hours i basically spent two and a half hours in the convention like a quiet spot of the convention lobby trying to sort out what was going on with my hotel situation oh my god i am so i am so sorry that happened like thankfully in the end i managed to get on the line with the woman who must have been like fairly up there in the management line who managed to help me out but she's like Look, i just need to do this other stuff and i'll call you back and that happened a couple times she's like okay i just gotta do this now and i'll call you back um and she's like okay what are you looking for i'm like i need a place for the parking spot i really want it to be within like this close of a radius of the convention because this is why i picked the other one initially and she's like okay i'll see what i can do keep your ringer on i'll give you a call back and in the end um, she got me into a hotel that was like half the distance from the convention center of the original one that I'd booked and the room was worth probably like two and a half times as much. <laughs> oh my goodness. I didn't pay anything extra, which is good. Oh, that's great. But yeah, it was a, it was a much, much nicer room with like free breakfast down in the, in the cafeteria lobby area. Love a good continental um, breakfast. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, so, like, like, it, like, the phone call was a huge headache, but it did at least all work out in the end. That, that sucks. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm glad that it worked out in the end, at least. I, while you were in, I'm assuming Seattle is where yeah. that's held? Right. Um, I, I have never attended packs or or any convention outside of british columbia now that i think about it now well, no that's not that's not exactly true i did i did step into a con in edmonton when i was visiting my sister <laughs> but that was like for a day right yeah part of, i guess oh what i forgot to do earlier is part of why you can kind of you could actually fill four days of a convention that comes to pax is um, the Seattle one, for instance, is spread over, like, four buildings. Oh, wow. Like, you, you have to, to get to other locations, other panels or shopping or whatever, you have to, like, walk a block or two down to get to, like, another hotel that they've rented <laughs> for some of their stuff. I guess the funny thing is I've never, I've never attended any of those other conventions that are in Seattle that are, like, in the same building. Right. 
Pax has been the only one I've gone to. Yeah. So what were you up to? So while you were in while you were in Seattle, I was uh, having a weekend getaway at Harrison Hot Springs with a bunch of friends. Um, One of my friends' parents invested in a hotel when it was being built, uh, like right along the beachfront like street and so they have a quarter time share there and we were we were able to get we were a really decent room for free and um i was there for a couple nights and we we didn't really do anything we just kind of we spent had spent time in the hot tub we walked all around the beach um it was just a really great time. Wish I could have been at a convention, though. <laughs> no, a getaway is always kind of nice, though. Especially if you've got a place, place to stay in Harrison. I've never actually stayed in Harrison. I've just kind of gone out there for, like, one-day visits. Like, when they used to do the sandcastle competitions. Yes! Like the sandcastle competitions are, like, one of the most vivid memories of Harrison that I have as a kid. Uh, but... Yeah, me neither. I had never actually stayed in Harrison. I had only been there for day trips with my parents. And this is my first time driving up there myself as well. And um, just a really great time. And it's a it's a spooky... Well, I, I don't know if it... Some people could probably describe it as spooky at night because it's... Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit of a liminal space thing because you're so used to seeing it crowded with people during the day that at night it's, it's very serene. Um, oh, really? cause, cause we went out around like nine o'clock and came back at around 11. Uh, we watched... Uh, Groundhog Day, uh, <laughs> which we rented from the front desk. They had a bunch of movies, um, and uh, I had seen that movie before. Great movie. It's not one of the pieces of media I brought to discuss this episode, but yeah, really good movie, and uh, really brought some ideas to the forefront about trying to be better and more forgiving of my fellow man. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we went out again, just, uh, one friend and I to, uh, have a smoke on the beach, and, uh, I ended up, uh, we, uh, we ended up coming across, uh, someone who needed, um, uh, a, a woman who needed Advil, and, uh, we walked back to the hotel and I gave her some, so, yeah, it was, it was, it was a cool night. I guess Harrison doesn't doesn't really have that much of a nightlife, I guess, in the sounds of it, eh? It's a lot of just smaller shops and things like that, catering more. No, to yeah, it's there's a there's a bunch of gift shops and stuff. It's a very touristy spot. Mm. Like when when we walked out at nine o'clock, it was it was it was already pretty calm. Like there were a couple drunks stumbling around that front street, but uh, yeah. It's, it's either, the way, depending on how you look at it, it's a very, like, calm and serene place at night, or 
a a spooky Silent Hill esque um, waterfront town. <laughs> Anyways, we should probably get to introducing ourselves. Uh, my name is Zach, and I love all things geeky, nerdy, and weird of all shapes and sizes, big or small, good or bad, mainstream or niche, and. I I'm usually able to find some value in every piece of media that I consume, whether it be that I really like the art style or the music really appeals to me, for instance. Uh, if I think I dis I'll, if I think I'll dislike something, I usually just avoid it, which means there are still a lot of things that I've never watched or played. As a guy working full time in his 30s, I do have less free time than I'd like to, so I do have to use it wisely. Uh, it doesn't mean that I'm blind to flaws in things, and I'll absolutely acknowledge and discuss them, but I try not to let them ruin my overall enjoyment of something. And my name is Juliana. I'm a gamer, cosplayer, free company co-lead. Uh, I've got just too many things I want to play or read, and unfortunately, also not enough time to do it. Uh, my gaming interests lie primarily in RPGs and their various subtypes, though I'm particularly fond of the tactical turn-based ones. But honestly, I'll give anything a chance, especially if we've got good company to play with. Um, in regards to cosplay, my two criteria are basically, do I like the character, and two, do they have cool clothes that I can make? Though, admittedly, as I start losing more and more of my free time, a third criteria slowly sneaking its way in of, do they have a hairstyle that matches mine? <laughs> yeah, as someone who is also cosplayed and has does not enjoy wearing wigs, I can sympathize with that. And you and I have been friends for almost 20 years now? More than 20 years now. Yeah, right. I I have spent almost like twice as long living on this earth knowing you <laughs> than I have not knowing you. Basically. Yeah, thank you very much Juliana for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me on this thing. Oh, totally. It's my pleasure. How much podcasting experience do you have? I'm going to be honest, not a lot. Um, I've always favored music when it comes to listening things over podcasts, if only because of the fact that, like, when it comes to information retention, verbal is, like, my weakest form of it. So, unfortunately, I used to sometimes try to do audiobooks or try to do podcasts, but I'd realize it would almost literally be, like, in one ear and out the other ear. Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. I, I can, I can definitely understand that. I have had, a, you know, medium podcast experience, both as a listener and as a participant, I guess. Um, I started out with a show in Vancouver called um, West Coast Geeks vs. Nerds, now known as Geeks vs. Nerds Vancouver, although due to the pandemic they haven't done anything in several years although i i it is i dream that they will return um it was a debate style comedy show uh recorded live 
and uh, I started out as a big fan and eventually became a debater on the show. And I also have a friend with a YouTube show and we once tried recording a podcast offshoot of that uh, where we discussed series of video games and I once acted as a Castlevania lorehead for a two and a half hour Castlevania episode. But yeah, I I like podcasts. I really enjoy listening to them while I'm at work or doing something um, that I don't need to be like paying attention to anybody. Right. Yeah, for me, unfortunately, work usually requires that I be very mentally engaged almost the entire time. So unfortunately, trying to listen to follow a story along um, is not terribly feasible for me. I basically for the one for ones that I have listened to before, I've usually tried to like find a transcript online, or I would really just be listening to listen to that specifically while not doing anything else. Right. I like listening to a wide variety of podcasts, although sometimes I will go... M I, I have gone months without listening to any, only to come back to them, like, in full force. It really depends on my situation and what job that I can get away with listening to them at, because I find them a, a really great time passer. Um, I enjoy comedy and discussion, although sometimes I appreciate a good true crime series. <laughs> so this is the miscellaneous media segment of the podcast where we talk about things non-gaming related. That is movie, TV, anime, manga, etc. So have you watched or heard much about Sandman? I It's on the list. I've heard some very good things about it. Um, so it's like, it's on my it's on my to-do list of things to watch. I've, I feel like Neil Gaiman's, a lot of his uh, stories that have been adapted have just been very fortunate to have good adaptations. It sounds like Sandman follows that trend. So, and like, Stardust is one of my favorite movies, so... <laughs> Oh, I, I'm not familiar with Stardust. We might have watched it. It's about a guy named Tristan who wants to, like, prove his love to this girl in his town. And there's, like, a shooting star that falls out of the sky. And he's like, I'm going to go get that for you to show you how much I love you. And he crosses, like, this stone wall, which basically separates, like, normal England from, like, magical England. <laughs> Oh. And he goes and he finds this star and it turns out the star is a lady and it's like it's like a fairy tale adventure sort of thing. And there's like a B plot that's like uh, a fight for succession amongst seven sons to a king who has just recently passed. Interesting. It's I, a good movie. Yeah, I haven't I've never heard of Stardust before. Uh, because Neil Gaiman is I think he's more widely known for stuff like Coraline, um, American Gods, and he's one of the co-writers of uh, Good Omens, whom yeah, he wrote with 
That was uh, a really the, good adaptation too. <laughs> that yeah, the Amazon Good Omens was very good. Um and and he he wrote that along with the author of Discworld, Terry Pratchett. I actually read a couple Discworld novels at the start of the pandemic and he he is very funny. <laughs> um but Sandman is one of the things I think he's best known for, which is a comic series that uh, he wrote. I believe it's it was for Vertigo. Um, it's because it is connected to the DC Comics universe. Um, and the comics ran from 1989 to 1996. Uh, and I remember seeing them at the library, I think? Uh, but it's never a series that I have touched, save for one spin-off book, uh, I believe called Sandman Dream Hunters, which is written by uh, Gaiman, but the art for that is done by Yoshitaka Amano, who is one of the main artists for Final Fantasy, and okay. as well as Vampire Hunter D. But yeah, I binged this series in about three to four days, and it was very good. Uh, I th I think you'll like it. I, I highly recommend it, and I I suggest getting on that soon because there is much anxiety over whether or not this series will be renewed for a second season, and oh, that really? is highly dependent on view time because it is it had quite a high vfx budget um yeah but it 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 covers i believe the first two major arcs of the comic and it is very i i'm i keep saying it's very good um <laughs> Yeah, the I I haven't read the comic yet, um, despite be being aware of it for such a long time. Um, I I did open up the first issue online just to see how things visually kind of lined up with the 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 first episode of the series, and it seems fairly faithful from what i can tell i mean obviously dream isn't like pasty white like the rest of the endless and uh his hair is a bit less floofy but i think story-wise it it seems to follow things quite well okay it's good to hear yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have to, I'll try to get that I'll try to get to that one sooner than later in that case. Yeah. Especially if they're still not sure about if a second season's gonna happen or not. Yeah, the the bits that I loved the most, and I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil I don't wanna spoil anything of this show for you just because it is going to be a good time, but uh a major villain is played by David Thewlis, who played Remus Lupin in the Harry Potter movies. Oh. And he is fantastic. <laughs> uh, he is he is very 
intimidating in a a weird way. Like I I feared for the people around him. Um and uh apparently he's based off like an old like justice goofy justice league villain <laughs> uh but he this is just like a a non super villain version of him like he still has the the macguffin that gives him his powers but uh he's it's a lot darker i think so yeah, I, I highly recommend that. Well, on that like topic of Netflix things, like I somewhat recently finished up Umbrella, Chron Umbrella Chronicles. Not Umbrella Chronicles. Oh man, Resident Evil. That was Resident that was not Evil, a good <laughs> Umbrella Chronicles. <laughs> Resident Evil show was not a good show either. Oh boy. <laughs> I I did not touch that show, and I do not. I did like plan two to. episodes. Were like what? Why? They make all of these... Wow, I'm, su I'm surprised you even tried it. <laughs> My roommate finished it. Like, like, begrudgingly finished it. They make a lot oh, of God. pop culture references that just, like, didn't really need to be there and kind of take you out of it. Um, okay. Yeah, not Umbrella Chronicles. Umbrella Academy. <laughs> finished up Umbrella Academy. That is okay. I may... I That is one goof I may leave in. <laughs> um... That was that was that was pretty funny. Brother Academy's uh uh yes handle itself much better than the Resident Evil did, but um yeah it's 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 third season is interesting. So the 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 kind of general promise of it is there's still like it and it really really base level is superhero saving the world in a really base level, but it's a little bit uh it's a little bit heavier than that. The um yeah I have not watched more than like the first episode or two of the first season so i only know the basic premise is that you know they were super powered orphans who were adopted by this rich guy who was just a complete piece of work yeah pretty much and then he he trained them up to do like like unlock their powers and protect the world and Yada yada yada, your your typical fare. Um, but then they're all kind of like, they're all kind of like super jaded. <laughs> Very yeah, angry. like there's a lot there's of a trauma. A lot of trauma. Is isn't this this is created by Gerard yeah Ray, the lead isn't vocalist from yeah, My Chemical from... Romance. So that that would explain some things. Um, the TV series does Gerard. I wonder if Gerard's okay. <laughs> The, uh, the comic book series though, like the TV series does overlap in arcs in the comic book series. When I looked, when I looked into the comic book series, there is like a lot more like what the heck is like like <laughs> insanity going on in that book. Um, I would not be surprised. <laughs> Usually, the comic book is the rawest <laughs> form of any piece of media. But yeah, season. If if it's if it's based on yeah. a comic. But yeah, season three, um, like they do their stuff in season one, it's like save the world. And season two is like also save the world, but they go back in time. And season three is still ends up being a save the world thing, but it's almost like a what if scenario. Um, like they they go from season two, they make it back to their regular time, but 
like their at least their regular year, but their timeline is like totally skewed. Like they're really not supposed to exist in the timeline that they're in. Or they're either they exist but not in the same capacity. They don't know where their other selves are. Um without like hmm. spoiling too much. <laughs> okay. But yeah, they essentially meet like another superhero group that are like everything that they should have been but failed to be. Um, right. Okay. With, like an alternate version of their father. Who's not a piece of work. He's he's still kind of a piece of work, but for reasons he's a little bit more mellowed out. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's good. <laughs> um, so you like it? Yeah, I liked it. There's a there's a lot of like there's a few characters that have to come to terms with things. Like there's one who is like um, married uh, well, hers is a little bit weird. She had, like, uh, a daughter in her original timeline, was married to a different guy when they were shunted back in time, and then tried to go find her daughter in, like, the recent, like, the the current day timeline that they find themselves in in season three, and she goes back to her old house and everything, and, like, sits down on the bed and, like, wakes up her daughter, and, like, it's some little girl who looks at her basically just starts screaming because she has no idea who she is. And, oh, like, God. the parents run in, and it's like, it's like, oh, well, damn. <laughs> this is not my kid or family anymore, and she's, like, kind of ruined by it. Not, like, as a character, but like, like or not, like, as a character arc. She's just, as a person, is kind of ruined by this fact. She has wow. lost her daughter. She has lost the man that she married in the past. And she, like, finds his obituary and stuff like that. But oh there's a God. few characters that deal with, like, uh, loss of loved ones and, uh, basically in relation to past seasons and things like that. Um, but the... It's, it's a really, it's a really interesting season. And it's, I really... Same case, trying not to spoil it. I really like the ending. Um, it does... I, it sounds like that they want to do a season four, but I'd honestly be happy with how it ended in season three. Because it's not... It's it's an odd one to say that, like... On one hand, you could see it as everybody wins, but on the other hand, you could almost see it as, like, only this one guy here wins. <laughs> oh. And everyone else is just kind of like... What? <laughs> but it's... It's it's good. It's it's different. Um, cool. I, I really I could I could just leave it at season three being the end and be perfectly happy with it. But I am curious to see what happens with season four. Have they been renewed? Uh, I don't think it's been renewed yet. It's just that the show writers, the showrunners, um, have plans like an overarching plan for season four. But I don't think they've gotten the green light right. yet. Yeah, I, I believe the the creators of Sandman are, they are preparing even though they have not been given the green light yet. Yeah. So hopefully both of those shows get renewed. I'm hoping, yeah. But I just, uh, just considering what happens at the end of season three, I don't really know what they're going to do with season four because a big, a big factor of what that show is is gone. Hmm. Not necessarily in a bad way, but it's gone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright, moving from Netflix, but we'll 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 get back to it. Um well moving from Netflix to the stage, I saw uh, Midsummer Night's Dream on 
Bart on the Beach last weekend. I haven't been to that in so long. I feel like it's gotta be like 15 years, like on a field trip with school, since I went to Bart on the Beach. This was my first time, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I had never been to Bart on the Beach before. So, Bart on the Beach is Western Canada's largest professional Shakespeare festival, and it has ran out of Van A Park in Vancouver since it started in 1990 with a single production of Midsummer Night's Dream. And Midsummer Night's Dream uh, premiered in 1605, making it 417 years old. <laughs> And it was also the first play that of Shakespeare that we, at least I studied in high school. I think you were in a different English class. Uh, for considering we went to the same high school, I think Midsummer Night's Dream was just the English curriculum for like ninth grade English. Yeah. Or eighth grade English. I can't remember which grade it was. It was definitely ninth grade for me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, right, because I think 8th grade was Romeo and Juliet, wasn't it? I think we had to do all of... I think every year, no matter whose class you were in, always had at least the same Shakespeare uh, play that had to be read. I think. Maybe. I think... I don't remember doing any Shakespeare in 8th grade. I'm pretty sure it started in ninth. Oh, then maybe it was like we... Midsummer's Night, Romeo and Juliet... And then like Macbeth it was and then Macbeth Hamlet. and then Hamlet. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe we eight didn't do for... it in eighth. <laughs> yeah, because uh, those those are the four that I remember doing. Um, yeah, I would say that I'm I'm not a huge fan of Shakespeare. Like I don't dislike it. I think Shakespeare is fine. Um, I respect it. I think it has been circle jerked a little by academia and it's it's held on maybe too high of a pedestal but i i had a really great time at this production like i said it was my first time uh at bard on the beach and this happened on the main stage and um they the set design was simple but there there was an effect later on in the in the second half that uh impressed me they had a rising platform in the center of the stage uh with f a fog maker and <laughs> and i was like ooh um and the back of the stage there were like three window frames that like stained glass windows would have gone but the bars weren't fully formed and that is actually how the uh the dancers who played the fairies um they first entered the stage at the beginning of the play they like one of them peeks their head from behind the window and then they just they enter and oh, that's uh, cool I yeah I was I was like oh that's that's really neat I didn't realize that uh, like there's scaffolding behind it or the, that the windows were were open um, it did give the windows did give a view into the back of the park so sometimes you'd see someone riding a bicycle or jogging by <laughs> um, but uh, 
it was I I was fairly impressed by the setup that they had there. Um, me and a friend got tickets because my aunt actually volunteers at Bart on the Beach and was able to reserve us some. Otherwise, I I it's not something that I probably would have bought tickets for of my own volition. But I am glad that I went. They they did some interesting uh, gender swapping. Uh, Lysander, one of the Athenian lovers, was played, not only played by a woman, but, like, identified as a woman. Oh, interesting. And I I always, I always like that. I, I, I appreciate a, a good gender swap. Uh, a band I, I really like from England um, that does, like, revisionist mythology does that sometimes. They're called the Mechanisms. And uh, it also kind of because Lysander is the the man that the the dad of oh god what is Hermia I think is her name um yeah the the father of Hermia like uh disapproves of Lysander and wants his daughter to marry Demetrius and it 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 gives it 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 lends to some like homophobia tone tones which does make sense i i suppose for why her father would disapprove even though the play is set in athens in ancient greece when i think same sex relationships were far more normalized i believe but I, I still thought it was a cool tidbit. Um, Bottom, uh, the weaver from the uh, the the group of players from Athens, uh, she also was played and identified as a woman, and I think she was my favorite character and actor in the production. She was hilarious. <laughs> there were two very funny instances um, because I I love when things in live theater don't go according to plan. Oh no. <laughs> um uh they, one of them like yeah like fortunately nothing bad happened. Um nobody got hurt. Um the first one is is funny because uh one of the plot points is that the Athenian players want to put on a production of Pyramus and Thisbe on a full moon and they want to figure out what day is a full moon with a calendar. And they usually ask the crowd for a calendar and someone will volunteer their phone. And usually they'll use that. At the play that we went to, someone in the audience actually brought a paper calendar. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was really funny. And when... The players were putting on the production of Pyramid and, and Thisbe, uh, Bottom playing Pyramus is threatening people with a fake sword, and she swung the sword, and the blade came free of the handle. Oh no, it didn't hit anybody, did it? It did fly into the audience, I don't think it hit anybody. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, um... Ironically, roughly in the area of the guy who volunteered the calendar. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a good time. And I I really enjoyed it. I even bought a shirt because it was on sale. Um, it looks like a 
fighting game character select menu um, with a bunch of various Shakespeare characters. Um, and player one is Juliet holding a staff and she's facing off against player two, who is Lady Macbeth uh, brandishing a dagger. And the logo <laughs> says Super Shakespeare Fighter 2. <laughs> That's um, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not even a particularly big fan of Shakespeare. And I'll tell you a little secret. I absolutely suck at Street Fighter, but I, I still bought it because I thought it was a really cool shirt. Though I am dreading someone of inevitably asking me about it. About either Shakespeare or Street Fighter. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So, you and I watched Great Pretender on Netflix. I love that show. I love that show so much. <laughs> I... I really enjoyed this one, too. So, Great Pretender is an anime by Wit Studio, known for Attack on Titan, Vinland Saga, Ranking of Kings, and recently Spy Family. And it's a series about a group of con artists who rob rich assholes. <laughs> and it's very funny, and extremely well drawn and animated. I really like the art style of this show. Yeah, the color palettes and stuff they pick for the environments and the characters all just really, like, pop. <laughs> yeah, the backgrounds look like they probably are digital photographs that have been, like, filtered and painted over, but they are done in such a, a way, in such a style that... I really enjoyed it, um, and I just, some, I love, uh, character expression, and something I really like about how characters are drawn in this show is just the way their mouths are shaped, um, sometimes, like, I, I love when Edamura, there's just, like, a bunch of, like, uh, jagged lines at the end of his mouth, um, and I, the bit in the English dub they did in the first episode, <laughs> I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's a, it's a, uh, when I saw it the first time, I actually watched that part in like four different languages just to see how they play through it. That's and awesome. And it's, it's a, it's a very, it's a consistent joke bit that they keep throughout like every language variation of that of that, that show that I watched. That's funny. Same case with the um like for instance we had we had we had parts of that show that were just like definitely characters speaking in a foreign language so like that entire section was dealt with in Mandarin even though we were watching the English dub for it. Right. Now that was that was very cool. What is your, like, where do you stand on subs and dubs? Um, I tend to give the dub a shot first. It, it, sometimes it depends how things go. If, for instance, like, um, like Madoka Magica, for instance, I watched that one sub because it hadn't been dubbed yet. When the dub came out, 
It was a short enough series. I gave it a try, but I was so used to hearing the Japanese voices already that I couldn't quite get into the dub. Um, but then, like, on the flip side of that, like, I watched Cardcaptor Sakura with the original English dub that we had. Um, yeah. And then was never really able to watch it in Japanese because I remember seeing the complaint years back about how, oh, like... Sakura sounds too old to be like a 12 year old or something like that, but she was literally voiced by a 12 year old <laughs> Yeah, right So there there is admittedly a degree of like Squeaky Japanese that I I just don't care for In in subtitled versions, especially especially because I, I feel like um, I feel like a little bit more often now uh, English dub shows are trying to get kid actors when they can to fill in child roles. So, I know some people are like, oh, they, they, they compare the sub to the dub. It's like, oh, yeah, they sound too old. And it's like, no, but they're literally, like, Alphonse Elric is voiced by, like, a 14-year-old. <laughs> right. Speaking into a bowl. <laughs> um, I, I think dubs, like, English dubs have definitely come so far in the last 30 years, especially when we compare it to stuff from the 90s or even further back in the 80s. Yeah. Like, like there's just, some, there are some bad dubs. Like, I can, I can understand the anger towards English dubs of shows. Like, if we say, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! or Pokemon, for instance, any of those four kids shows, they got super butchered for their English localization. But we seem to be trending away from that in the past, like... 15, 20 years now that I think it's... I, I really... I personally don't have any problems of watching English dubs on things. It's not like I have problems watching with subtitles. Like, I can read just as... I, I usually have subtitles on if, like, if it matches the dub track. Right. Just for the sake of catching everything. But, uh... No, I, I'll, I'll tend to trend towards dub over sub. Um, sometimes I like hearing how they localize things for, like jokes and stuff like that. Like, Full Metal Alchemist has this very interesting joke when, like, um, uh, Gracie, I think her name is, Hugh's wife, Gracia, Gracie, something like that, is having their daughter, and Edward runs up to Winry, and I think, like, the Japanese verb to be born starts with the syllables Uma, and he just repeats that a few times over, and Winry has, like, a picture of, like, a horse trotting above her head, because if you don't use the full verb to be born, which I think is umaremasu, um, then uma is just, he just sounds like Edward saying horse over and over <laughs> again. And I'm like, I don't know how they're going to translate this into English, but I flipped it over and saw the English version. And same thing, Edward comes up, and I guess the line he tries to say is, uh, the baby is coming. But he just gets there and he's like, bay, bay. And um, when we same case, horse is above her head because it's in the animation. And she's like, I don't get it. A bay is a horse. What has that got to do with anything? He's like, the baby's coming! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Worked out fine. <laughs> Localization, they've had a lot of practice now. I, I trust that they'll get most jokes to land. And especially of how, like, globalized anime has become, I feel like they may be a bit more careful with their jokes now and keeping in mind that it is likely going to other countries. <laughs> yeah, now that now that uh, anime is such, a, such an industry now, they... I think they they have to be a lot tighter with it. They don't have as much freedom as they used to. Yeah. 
Like, Black um, Butler has an OVA that has a really, I think, an awkward joke that I've, I don't think ever really translated, if I remember correctly. It's like, the main character is on a stage, they're doing a stage play, I think it might have been Hamlet or something akin to that, and he's supposed to have a soliloquy. Soliloquy. I can't really say that word correctly. But anyways, <laughs> the Japanese term for that, its first few syllables sound really, really similar to cephalopod. So the people on the side who are trying to remind him what to do hold up a picture of a jellyfish. <laughs> but it doesn't... I don't remember if that joke actually translated in English. I'd have to double check, but I think it was a really awkward translation. <laughs> some, some things are really difficult to get across. <laughs> But yeah, I I usually I it, it depends for me too. Uh, like I I don't hate uh, reading subs and like some some series that I enjoy are a bit too obscure to get English dubs. Not that I uh, I'm trying to sound like a hipster, <laughs> but uh, it also depends like on the the show itself and what I'm. If I'm working on something or doing something else and it's just something out in the background, then I'm definitely going to have it in English. Um, but a uh, couple months back, I I watched Neon Genesis Evangelion for the first time in my life, and I went to pains to um, watch that in original Japanese and not the, mm. the Netflix... Uh, release of that because that was a little bit right. butchered. There was a case of uh, some gay erasure and uh, oh, with Kaoru. <laughs> yeah, and and because of the of the ending theme, uh, I because I didn't know this until I started watching the show. Uh, there are twenty six individual versions of Fly Me to the Moon that they use for every episode. Oh, really? They got a new recording for every ending? For every one. Oh, that's interesting. And and that was the... That's the original Japanese, or that was the original... Or, like, the, the original dub managed to license that? I think the original dub managed to license it, but this cool. one didn't. And and they, they did redub it for Netflix. Right. Um, But yeah, that... I, that was really cool, and I understand that, like, getting the licenses to all 26 <laughs> versions for a re-release, probably a pain, um, but it, it, it wasn't something that, like, I, I, it was, it was a piece of media that I wanted to see in its purest form, right. so I, I, I went to watch it in its original Japanese and with director's cuts for some of the episodes. <laughs> yeah, great, pr great pretender. <laughs> oh, though, quick note on the on the note of the dub versus something. I will watch JoJo in both languages. Like, oh yeah, in its JoJo. I just JoJo is one show that is 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 perfectly fine watching it in either language because in the Japanese you get the English, which is <laughs> hilarious. Uh, but if you watch it in English you get the weird localized names for the characters in stands oh, because just... <laughs> they can't break copyright infringement. I just live for, okay, like the Golden Wind, some of them I felt could have been a little bit more like better references 
but like, like I don't know, like Mirror Man's not bad, and Zipper Man, I was like, ah, yeah, Zipper Man, but fine, not really. But like, oh my god, I live for the stupid ones, like, like Boy Man Man, <laughs> <laughs> or like Flaccid Pancake for Olympus, Baby Head. <laughs> Yeah, I, Netflix just released the second batch of 12 episodes of Stone Ocean, oh, and I have not watched any yet, because when they released the first 12, I binged it in a single day like a complete and utter fool. <laughs> uh, so I'm actually thinking of pacing myself with this next 12, and maybe watching like one per two weeks Right. So I can, like, talk about it once per episode of this podcast. <laughs> um, anyway, we're yeah. Great Pretender. <laughs> great Pretender was, was great. You should watch it. Um, it's got good characters. It wraps up nice and neatly in a short time span. Um... What was it only like? It's only like twenty-two episodes, I think. Yeah, each uh, it follows four different arcs, and like the first three arcs are maybe three or four like episodes. Three, yeah, three each. or four episodes, and then the fourth arc is a little bit longer as a nine-episode piece. Yeah, but it there's there's a lot of backstory in that in those nine episodes, and it was it was a good good case. Team confidence. <laughs> Yeah, team confidence. You want to talk about some video games? Yeah, what have you been playing lately? So, I recently uh, got started um, with the help of a friend on a Legend of Zelda Link to the Past randomizer. Oh! Okay. Yeah. And it, so far, <laughs> it has been really interesting. You, there's a website that you use and you upload an original Japanese version of the ROM and it gives you a bunch of options for things. And some of those options are like menu and text speed, heart color, and, um, what character you play as. Wait, the text uh, and... speed gets randomized? No, you, you, you're able to set it to, like, on a, on a slider, like, slow, very fast. Oh, okay. Um, so bringing up the menu in, in my game takes, like, half a second. Mm. It, it just, like, whoop, and it, it's on screen. Um, but they have a huge list of character sprite edits for Link. So, na naturally I went for Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it's very funny. Um, when, when he dies, um, and falls down, um, there's, like, a pile of rings around him. Oh my gosh, that's great. Um, yeah, it's, it's been really fun so far. I, I was able to get, like, maybe... 30 to 40 percent of the of Link's inventory before even entering a dungeon. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Um, there is a program that you have to. Getting it set up is a little bit of a pain. I'm 
uh, using a program called Emo Tracker uh, that has a map of the light world and the dark world, and it has little boxes to show um, every location that there are chests, and it's there. It's color coded um, based on your progression. So green means it's fully accessible. Uh, yellow means you can technically access it if you use like a glitch or sequence break of some kind. Okay. And then I think orange is like partly accessible and blue is like you can see it but can't get to it. Like I started out with a sword like in Link's house. So that was a very lucky pull because I can't imagine playing through Zelda without one. <laughs> and so I've been, I've been very fortunate. I I have things like the hammer, the thunder spell, I have the bow, the boomerang. I have the moon's pearl already so I can I can travel freely between light world and dark world because if you have the hammer there is a dark world entrance. Uh, right above Kakariko Village, and I I just finished my first dungeon a couple days ago, and that was Thieves' Hideout. Uh, I did enter Eastern Palace, which is the like sequentially the first dungeon that you play in a normal game of Link to the Past, but I was only able to get so far. Right. So, um, I haven't actually. I've never actually played like a randomizer before. Um, I don't actually I don't do a lot of emulation. Period. So is there like a guarantee or some sort of coding in there to make sure you don't get like soft locked out of an entire area or like be able like in unable to complete the game because you just didn't get the right item? I am not sure if it's possible to completely like lock you out of progression. I I suppose it's it's possible, but I I I I would figure that they they have precautions for that, and and you you can you can set different settings for it. Like there's a setting called key sanity because in a normal randomizer run, keys are independent for like every dungeon. Like, you'll only find keys in a dungeon for that dungeon. Oh, okay. But if you turn on key sanity, suddenly every key in the game is, like, shuffled into the mix with every other chest and item in the game. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that has been a a very cool time. <laughs> what have you been playing? I've... Mostly been playing Splatoon since it came out like a week ago. That's Splatoon 3, right? That's Splatoon 3, yeah. So, um, yeah. I haven't been playing as much as I'd like, but I have been... I've, I've been spending a lot of time in Salmon Run. Nice. Um, I haven't actually, uh, I haven't actually touched rank yet. I basically just... Just, like, burned my way through to level 4 to unlock Salmon Run. And then have been grabbing, like, anybody who will give me the time of day and listen to me to come play Salmon Run with me. <laughs> Are you still maining a charger? Uh, well, Salmon Run works by, um, you don't bring in your pre-existing gear and you don't bring in your weapons. You actually, like, you have a work uniform and, um, the weapons that you have are a set of four that are just, like, they change every day and a half or so, but you get oh, randomized okay, so into they're one on a, of those. Okay, so they're on a rotation. Yeah, you get randomized into one of those four weapons. There hasn't been a charger yet, 
the sniper was yeah. was Sam and Run in the first Splatoon game? It wasn't. So if you never, I don't remember. No, I, I, don't I never. I have not ever touched Splatoon two, so I never got to try Sam and Run then. Yeah. So it's a it's a PVE mode. You 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 basically get uh, flown out to this work website, uh, this work site where like all of these salmonid they're called rush the shore and you need to collect golden eggs for some guy named mr grizz who talks to you through like a bear statue and it's one of those like it's a wooden <laughs> bear carving that's got like a salmon in its mouth and that's his icon <laughs> oh i see but you collect golden eggs from him and those golden eggs drop from like boss salmonid which are well the big boss ones they just have a bunch of variations like there's there's one that's um, kind of funny, it shoots out, like, this ray of ink that will just pierce through, like, the whole stage and fly across the stage, and this thing sits in a tower made out of, like, a whole bunch of, like, pots and pans sitting on a burner. So you have to run up to it, and you, like, if you, if you shoot it, you'll just start knocking all of the pots and pans out until you can shoot the salmonid at the top by the time it hits the ground, and then it'll, like, burst into a thing of, like, three eggs that you have to collect and bring over to the basket. <laughs> cool. But, uh, it gets, you, you rank up in that, in that PVE thing too, and it gets surprisingly intense sometimes. There's a guy I was playing with, and the two times we got this thing called the Glowfly event, which is just like these fireflies surround uh, one of the four players, and they just get bum-rushed by Salmon. And it happens so quickly that like the two times it occurred to us, like our, our whole team just like immediately wiped in the, probably the first like five seconds. Because I wasn't expecting it at the level we were at, and he had never seen it before. <laughs> hmm. Question. Yeah. That just occurred to me. Why did Salmon not evolve into humanoid form in the Splatoon universe? I'm not really sure. I know people were hoping that we'd get a new playable character type and it'd be like humanoid Salmon. Although I've heard that that like the Splatoon 3 storyline does have something a bit more to do with the Salmonid. Um, but maybe to a point that it makes Salmon Run a little bit awkward from a moral standpoint? I'm not really sure. I haven't finished the campaign. Um, hmm. But you do get a... In part of your character customization, like you make your, you make your character and... Uh, but then you also pick the look of your little buddy, which is like a small fry Salmonid. It's just like this... This itty bitty fish, like chubby fish thing with like the goofiest <laughs> eyes, and you like pick its hairstyle. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Does it like follow you around in game? Yeah, you see it, it like it like pops up in the plaza here and there. Um, it doesn't follow you into like the turf war battles and stuff like that. It might follow you into the campaign. Like I said, I, I really just did like enough turf wars to get myself to level four, and then it went immediately into salmon run. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah, I never, I never played Splatoon two, and I never picked it up. And by the time I, by the time I regretted it, it was too late into the game's like life cycle. Right. I think I'd, that's something I'm not super fond of with like seasonal games i guess that that get like live service updates because to get the most out of the game you're, you're kind of pressured to buy it from day one 
Yeah, it, I guess it depends for what reason. Like, for Splatoon 1, most definitely, because, like, we only had Turf Wars, we only had, like, what, like, two ranked modes, three ranked modes, and then it was Splatfest. There was no PvE or anything like that. Um, Splatoon, the funny thing is, those servers are still running. Um, you can still play Splatoon, Splatoon 1. Splatoon 1? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can still play Splatoon 1 online. Wow. Don't know how many people you'll find, but you could. And then, yeah, once the Splatfests were over, that's kind of, you just, you had your ranked and you had your turf war, and that was about it. Splatoon God, it's been like seven or eight years. Yeah. Wow. Um, Splatoon 2 has the PvE, so we, and an extra, an extra ranked mode as well. And then, like, the campaign and the second campaign. So, at least if you, if you had that, there was stuff to keep doing. So, and then 3 has... There's a lot of stuff for 3. The PvE is open 24-7 now, because in version in Splatoon 2, it was like a job, so it only had working hours. Not necessarily like 9 to 5, but there were working hours where it'd be closed otherwise. It's open 24-7 right. now. You still have your standard normal mode for like, for Turf Wars. Uh, ranked Battle has like, basically their equivalent of For Glory and For Fun, wherein you can play it solo or like the more like for fun one you can team up with up to a group of four. There's like a card game that's like built into there that I haven't tried yet. Huh. Um, there's a lot more customization. Like you can, you've got like a, like a locker that you can customize. You can buy decorations or throw your weapons in there and stuff like that. Oh, that's pretty cool. Fun. Um, so at least... Yeah, like like Splatfest were the things that brought a lot of people together. But at least, like when Service or Splatoon three like support of the live updates officially ends, and like I think they're planning to carry it on at least two years. So at least when that officially ends, there's still the PVE is up all the time. The card game is still there. The customization is still there because yeah, the Splatfest were fun events. But in the end, the Splatfests are just turf wars. <laughs> right. So. Well, maybe. Maybe I will pick that up when I have cash before it comes to the point where I'm like, no, it is too late. Well, the very first Splatfest is happening next weekend. I did see an announcement about that. And yeah, and they're like, they're like three-way battles now. I noticed. <laughs> and that, how is that going to play out? Um, So you have like a bunch of your battles will still be like one-on-one uh, -on -one for teams. But then you you sometimes get a what's called like tricolor battles, which is like all three like three teams going at once for turf war coverage. Um, there is a I, I guess it's I guess it's fine that it's it's you know three three teams because it's just based on whoever has the most like ink on the field. Yeah, basically. So there's still some like there's some balances that they're doing. There was a recent patch that I think is. Uh, changing the frequency of how often the tricolor battles come up but yeah this is uh they had like a global test fire which is basically a rock paper scissors a splat fest yeah um, and yeah this this coming one next week is like if you were on a deserted island would you want to bring gear grub or fun <laughs> What team do you think you're going to pick I'm, if you participate? I'm on Team Gear. I'm a little of too... Of course you're on Team Gear. <laughs> I'm a little too pragmatic to not be Team Gear. I've got another friend who's picked Team Gear, and I'm like, okay, buddy, I need to know, have you picked Team Gear because you're pragmatic about gear, or have you picked Team Gear because you're a shiver stan? And he's like, yes. 
I'm sorry, what? Um, one of the idols, her name is Shiver. Oh, and he's just got and like... She, and, and I'm assuming that is the group that she's representing. Yeah, and he's just got like a, like a video game character crush on her, basically. Right, gotcha. <laughs> That's fun. Now, I think we should head into what will hopefully be an ongoing segment. Welcome to... Aorzia Corner. So this is Aorzia Corner, where Juliana and I discuss Final Fantasy XIV Online, A Realm Reborn, and all of its expansions. Not that we're done the game yet by any means, but... <laughs> oh no, I I just checked to, like today, I've... I've almost been playing for like just under two months and i still have not finished a realm reborn yeah i know like if you some people be like oh you need to get to this expansion it's so good but honestly just take Let your me guess. time is, with it. is it is it the award-winning heaven sword i think they might have except for like i think Shadowbringers and endwalker have also been award-winning <laughs> yeah i know but any <laughs> i just love how anytime like someone refers to heaven's sword it's always they always have to pre, pre preface it with award-winning i think the reason is because there have been so many advertisers once they change the free t the free trial like since the last time you and i played that free trial they changed it because it used to be you capped at level 50 and you could finish the base game but that was it but they expanded it to include the award-winning Heaven Sword expansion, and that's yep. just how they kept advertising it. The critically acclaimed Final Fantasy XIV Online, <laughs> and the award-winning Heaven Sword expansion. So it's just become a meme. So I remember trying out the, that trial extremely briefly. In fact, I have barely any memory of it. I know we um, we. Because we were playing together, we did not get very far. I feel like we maybe got to level 20. I don't actually even know if I un unlocked Black Mage. <laughs> I think yeah. I might have still been on the base Thaumaturge class. Since then, like, uh, did you did you drop off after that trial and then pick it up again? So what happened for me is... Um, at the time I got into it, it's because an ex was playing it with great regularity and the original plan was i was supposed to play with him but he kept playing with other people without me so i just like looped you and another person into trying the free trial with me and then after one particularly goofy night i think i was just like you know i'm kind of done this isn't for me the other guy's not playing with me and i went on hiatus for a couple years i guess the thing that right. got me to actually buy the full game proper and start again was twofold one uh, Stormblood released and Red Mage came with it. I'm like, cool. I love the Red Mage. It's in the game. Ah, oh, I'm still not. I'm still not ready. Whatever, it's fine. But the like the the last the cincher for me was Shadowbringers was announced and the Vera were were shown off in trailer. And I'm like, ah, I can be yes. a Vera Red Mage. Okay, Frick, I'm back in. And that's when I pre-ordered Shadowbringers. <laughs> That's, I was like, nah, give, okay, give me my cool. bunny, and I'm just going to hit Red Mage as soon as I humanly can. <laughs> and this is what I'm going to play. Um, and you've been you've been playing it regularly ever since? Uh, 
Yeah, pretty much. It's Realm Reborn, Heaven's Word, Stormblood, Shadowbringers, Endwalker. And Endwalker was where they finally wrapped up everything, like last year. Endwalker came out last year. Yeah, December last year. So, despite the fact that I picked up this game again and bought it with Shadowbringers like three years ago, I've really only just gotten to Shadowbringers like three weeks ago. Wow. Um, uh, the FC lead has jokingly referred to me playing as like stopping to smell every single rose in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I always feel in, when I'm playing MMOs like I'm progressing at a slower than average pace, and I'm I'm sure like two two months in my highest level job is like level 54 55 dragoon and that's as far as i have gotten um and i don't think i have been playing it as intended because i think because final fantasy 14 is a unique mmo in which it allows you to change classes on the fly um but it treats every class like a new character uh i have been just power leveling dragoon up to a high level so that i can when i finally reach the award-winning heaven sword i can join you in some of the later game content but i am nearly 20 levels above where I am in the story quest right now. Oh, honestly, that's perfectly fine. Like, when I hit Heavensward, because Heavensward is the 50 to 60, when I hit Heavensward, I was already, like, level 61. <laughs> right. It's, I I really don't think anyone could say that you're playing things right or wrong, unless you're literally trying to do, like, one of those big boss fights and you do a mechanic wrong. But as far as, like, your leveling, your story progression, however you want to have fun with it, because there is so much stuff in that game, I don't think there's really a right or wrong way to play it. Like, yeah. Like, I got, I got super distracted for, like, a solid three weeks, where instead of doing, like, anything story-related, I raced chocobos. I raised, like, a perfect racing chocobo for three weeks. Wow. Just just cuz <laughs> that's awesome and like there's all like the crafter things like i've got another friend who um we play the story together and he's like like you cannot take a crafter into the story main scenario quest but he just like hard geared into crafters and has like a bunch of them up in their 80s already because that's just what he likes to do <laughs> and then sometimes we like stop and play the story for a little bit yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, I like how like... kind of open-ended it is, and it seems like it really, really does open up in the later expansions, because mm -hmm. now they have a game mode that's similar to, like, the Animal Crossing Islands. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's something that would generally interest me, but it's... it. I, I think it's really cool. Also, I should also um, clarify that I'm not the biggest fan of MMORPGs, and unlike Shakespeare earlier, like, I have had gripes with prior MMOs. Like, I think that they are huge time sinks, and I, I, I don't think that progression 
has to be as slow as it is. Right. Um, or at least as it feels for me. Um, like, there, there are definitely some parts in early MMOs, and unfortunately, early MMOs is what I'm most familiar with, that just feel like a slog. Like, you only just, like, you're, the game, the game's story treats you like you're an important character, but you feel like a glorified courier and <laughs> pest controller. Yeah. And I, I have heard that that does, like, lessen up in lesser, like, later parts of FF14. And I already do feel like I'm, you know, I'm a bit more important than, than, than most games. Yeah, it was, um, it, it's an interesting thing because we were playing it before they did a lot of this overhaul stuff. Like, the first time we tried it, like you said, we were, like, over-glorified, like, like, couriers. Because it'd be like, can you go get me this? Hey, go get me that. They cut out a lot of that fetch quest bloat from A Realm Reborn uh, like a year ago or something like that. There's there's, there's several quests. There's, there's still a still lot. An, there's still <laughs> enough to be annoying sometimes. And sometimes they lampshade it like, talk to NPC. Talk to NPC again. Talk to NPC dot 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 again. Talk to NPC yet again. And it's like, game... <laughs> It, I, I, I see you trying to be cute and funny, but it doesn't make this any better. You know what you need to do when you eventually get to the award-winning Heavensward? Mm-hmm. You need to grab a Dark Knight job. Because the Dark Knight mentor... Um, okay, the, one, the Dark Knight job quest story is surprisingly heavy. Okay. Um, like it, it might be. It, it, I feel like it's the job quest that spent the most amount of time just in my head. <laughs> no, the mentor that you have for that has a very. Uh, you have some moments in there where some guy comes up to you. It's like I need your help with like some trivial fetch quest type thing, and like, like you have your dialogue options, and you say you'll help them out, and like your mentor is like, seriously, you realize you have better things to do than this, right? <laughs> <laughs> I I love that. I I and I can't wait for that. Yeah, I believe I believe that is the the job that my my roommate is currently striving for because you like 4 months ago when we did our test recording, like you you talked heavily about FF14 and I had zero context and then Square Enix did like a 30% off sale. And I caved, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll try it out. And the sale, I, I bought the game before the sale ended. I am still on the free trial, because fortunately it goes to level 60, yep. I think. Because I I caved and got the trial, my roommate renewed his subscription, and another friend of mine renewed their <laughs> subscription. So, we're all getting back into Final Fantasy XIV. And you may have more than just one new addition to the free company cool. if they're welcome oh yeah of course they're totally welcome i'm i am very excited just to join you on map nights well i guess uh how far along are they because if they renewed their subscription if they aren't like if they're still sub level 60 or whatever then at least we can have like a a group of us who are all familiar with each other running map things my 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 roommate is um he started a new character 
on Lamia, okay. I think, and uh, or he had a character on another server and then he transferred it. Um, but he has he has power leveled. Uh, he's a bit further than me. Uh, I think he's he is close to the end of Realm Reborn, okay. but uh, he hasn't told me that he's finished it yet. But fortunately, he he works a different kind of schedule than me, where he has like two 24-hour shifts, um, Sundays and Mondays. So he fortunately has uh, a bit more free time in the middle of the week to play than I do. Um, and I'm only able to get uh, like an hour or two in maybe a day. And I'm not playing every day, unfortunately. These last couple of weeks have been a bit busy, so progress has halted a bit, but I'm I'm still at it. And I'm I'm still going to go at it. I I really like my character. Um one of the last MMOs that I played uh was Guild Wars 2, mm -hmm. and I was disappointed that pull arms were not a possible melee weapon really? in that game because yeah they well technically they have spears and javelins but they're an aquatic weapon so you can only use them when you're underwater swimming oh, interesting um and that that was that was disappointing for me because i really like pull arms um and being a dragoon was a very big appeal for me. Um, and I am playing a male Aura, which uh, I have found out recently, or, or after the fact, that uh, male Aura are nowhere near as popular as female Aura and a bunch of the other races, but I still like my character design. I, I really like him. I, I do wish that I could move his horns up just like a couple <laughs> inches so they look like devil man yeah. horns. But other than that, I I think he's really cool and I've I've really enjoyed playing a dragoon. Yeah, I've had like I've I've had a uh, a conversation with somebody before and <laughs> I remember asking him like, is it really self-centered if I really like the look of my own Viron? <laughs> Like, I really like the look of my own Vera. <laughs> I mean, that, hey, it's, that's totally fine. Like, I really like the look of my main character, so I, no, I don't think it's self-centered at all. And I, I get to live out the fantasy of being a tall dragon man. Admittedly, though, like, as much as I like the Vera, if for some reason, like, the choice to be one just totally disappeared, I would probably play a Lullafell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not a Makote? No. Um, I think I... I took the Makote originally, like, years back when we did the free trial because I didn't like the idea of playing something so short, but the more and more I see Lullafell in action, like, the more They're I... They're growing I, on you. Oh, absolutely. They, like, Makote are very expressive, but I really think the Lullafell have amongst the best emotes in the game. Because they have such, like, little body to work with. Like, yeah. everything is, like, a full body expression when they emote. Yeah, I like Lullafell. Anytime, <laughs> anytime I head into the Waking Sands and for, to meet with, uh, Minfilia for the 
Scions of the Seventh Dawn. I I stop and I say hi to Tataru, even though, <laughs> even though she usually has the same thing to say. Although right now uh, she is with the rest of the Scions that are held captive by the Garleans, and that's where I'm currently at. We're okay. pre we're preparing to head there and break them out of prison. <laughs> it, admittedly, like the the one. The one potential downside of playing Lollafell, because the person I play the story with is playing a Lollafell, and you have these moments that just, it kind of breaks the seriousness, of the, the seriousness of the story sometimes. Like, we had this one instance of this guy who is, like, kind of being a fake diplomat, trying to be diplomatic, but then had, like, an ulterior motive. And he gets this moment where he kind of has, like, crazy eyes and looks you dead in the eye and, like, threatens you. The only problem is when he does that to a Lullafell character and you're both standing on flat ground, he does, like, the like the kneel down, like the how not to talk to short people meme kneel down <laughs> to look the Lullafell in the eye and, like, threaten them. And I'm like, I cannot take you serious. That <laughs> is hilarious. <laughs> or, like, you have other people who, like, and it's so, it's just, because of the look makes it kind of funny. They'll talk about, like, yeah, the warrior of light, the primal killer, the, like, this, the this, and all of these grand titles, and then this, like, three-foot-nothing, like, shorty walks up amongst all of these other people who are, like, five and six feet tall, being like, yes, I am the warrior of light. But, but I'm the warrior of light. <laughs> what do you... What do you mean, Juliana? I thought I was the only one. Uh, there's a thing about that. You'll see. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. So one of my other friends also. Um, uh, I me I mentioned that I was I was getting close to the end, and they were like, "Oh man, you were gonna meet the coolest dragoon in Heaven Sword. Just wait till you meet Astinian. He's so cool." And I'm like, "I have not only met Astinian, I have fought Astinian because <laughs> he's he's an NPC in the Dragoon Story Quest." Oh, so he already turns up that early, huh? Yeah, Astinian turns up really early. So I'm excited to see how he turns up in later game, because he's he's already pretty cool. But yeah, I thought I thought that was really funny. I don't know how to feel about him sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, dude, could you just could you just not? No. <laughs> You'll see. No. Yeah. Who are yeah, your he, favorite he... who are your favorite members of the Scions? I okay, so there's this one character you haven't met yet. And she hasn't had a ton of involvement, but I have a soft spot for her. Her name is Kryle. Okay. Yeah, um, no, I haven't heard of her. She's a Lullafell with, like, brown hair, and she's kind of got, like, a cat ear hoodie. Kind of speaks almost like a noble lady. But I, she hasn't had a lot of screen time, but I have a soft spot for her. I'm also quite fond of Alize as she, like, kind of breaks apart from her brother. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen her. You don't see a lot of her in the first game. Or in the first... Yeah. In the base game. But she... Uh, Alphanod's she, cool, though. Yeah, she really comes into her own through... Uh, in the later expansions. Okay, cool. Yeah, I I like um, Thancred and Ishtola. Ishtola's good, too, yeah. Yeah, Ishtola's pretty cool. Although, I... They did not name Thancred uh, along the uh, or among the 
captives by the Garlean, so I hope he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, there have been parts of this story where I've kind of like rolled my eyes, especially in the beginning, but later, as I keep going, I, I have been getting more invested into it, and especially when I came back to the Waking Sands and the Scions had been slaughtered, uh, I, yeah, that hit me a bit. Man, the stuff with the Alamegans, too. Like, I don't know if they're gonna come back to that, but... They, one of the expansions does deal more with the Alamegans. Okay. So you'll you'll see the you'll see more involvement involving those displaced people in due time. Cause yeah, there first there was a bit of like your uh, there's some Alamegans in a town and one has like a festering wound and nobody in town is willing to help them. Like you go to somebody and they're like, oh the Alamegans didn't pass the trial of the trees. The trees have decided that these people are not worth our help. And I'm like, these trees are racist. <laughs> So I'm gonna help him. And then there was, uh, I believe, uh, a line of dialogue that heavily implied that one of the Alamegan women had been sexually abused, and that wasn't great. Yeah, that... I don't remember if it's that particular lady... Like, that, that context, I don't remember if it was um, that something that had happened recently in the game, or she was talking about a history of something that had happened to her previously, but there's a couple heavy topics like that that come up with a few characters uh, later as well. There are some, not so much in AR, and a little bit in Heaven's Sword, but there are some really heavy moments that come up in, uh, in the later expansions. And some that I still have yet to see, but everybody keeps crowing about it to me, so... Yeah. Yeah, we, we're both, we're both getting caught up. You, me more than you. <laughs> it's I, okay, I get distracted very easily. There's someone I met who, like, only just got into the game maybe two months ago, and he's, like, finished through the end of the game already. But, you know, oh to each their own, you wanna, you wanna rush your way through it like that? That's fine. Like, he had, he basically didn't touch a single crafter, hasn't done any of, like, the Beast Tribe quests and that. He just, like, he got into that story and he just went for it. Yeah. I, I haven't touched <laughs> crafting any more than just to, like, get into materia mm. and, and, and once I figured, I finally learned how to make materia, I haven't really done anything with it since. To be honest, I wouldn't worry about crafting too much until you actually have yourself on the paid time and have access to the market board and have access to retainers because uh, the other person I play with, I was playing the paid version while he was still playing the free trial. Right. And like, but the thing is, he liked crafting. The only problem is, crafting fills your inventory so quickly. And some stuff that you couldn't find, for instance, like you can't, you can't trade people on free trial, you can't use the market board on free trial, and you don't have access to like your retainers who are basically extra inventory storage. Yeah, um, like so I, 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 I did have a lot of items to sell at lesser value than I bought the materials, but. Right. Um, but there's a, once you go into the paid version, like I'd say write it along, write it out for the free trial as long as you can. Why not? Oh but yeah. Once you sure. get to the paid version, there's a lot of really nice, like quality of life perks that you get with it. Okay. Yeah. I feel like 
that's that's kind of why I'm taking I I've been taking my time with it in the, in in recent weeks because like once I hit the point where I'm paying a monthly subscription, like I'm I'm gonna want to make sure I get the most out of it. Yeah. Mind you, the yeah. subscription price, considering you're a working adult, the subscription price isn't too bad. There's like a there's like a cheaper version. There's like a three tier version, but the absolute cheapest one is like. I don't think pays in advance, it just limits, the, the biggest drawback is like it limits the number of characters you can have on a world or a server or something like oh, that. Oh, that's but I think fine, it, I, don't, I don't see myself ever ha making another character. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm the same way, I'm like, I can switch all the jobs through this character that I really, I've made and really like already. I'm like, and I don't you can need... visit you can visit other servers as long as they're on the same data center. Yeah. So, so uh, it's 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 the cheapest plan. I think it's like ten USD or something a month or something like that. Yeah, that is that's definitely what I probably go with. But yeah, like we don't have to do treasure map things. I know you can't send tells, which are whispers to other people, but like, and you can't invite people to a party. But I can invite you to a party. Yeah, so. I know, and you and you, you can, can make me party so. leader. Yeah. So no, there's. There's stuff we can do together still, even though you're not done yet. Yeah. Yeah, I could always, I can always pull you to help me with like a story quest. Or oh yeah, totally. Dungeon or something. I have, I have gotten help from my roommate and my other friend. Right. Doing, doing that. I we did, uh, we did Garuda on Tuesday, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was a little rough. Um, oh, was it? Mm -hmm. Our, our other two part like. Our tank was not tanking, and the healer was trying to DPS. Healers should DPS to a degree when yeah. they don't. If like if healing isn't needed, yeah, um, that is just <laughs> granted. That is just what my roommate says. Like I'm whenever I am playing, especially with other people, I am just focusing so much on myself and doing the best job I can because I don't want people to judge me. It's kind of a funny thing because if you if you. Oh no! It could, but you don't play healer yet. I was gonna say it can quite, it can get quite divisive sometimes, but it is especially in later game stuff when you're doing really tough fights and things like that. It is actually expected that the healer puts out a decent amount of damage. Yeah. But the expectation as well is that the rest of your party members are doing their jobs as well. That you don't have to be healing too much. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm just always so tunnel vision, and <laughs> it's hard for me to pay attention to my other party members. But in fairness, playing DPS means you don't have to, you, you have to pay attention a little, but you don't have to pay quite the same type of attention. No, it's not like I'm managing my party's health bars or anything. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's good. Like, if, as far as MMOs go, I, I, I'm enjoying my time with it. Maybe I'm just, like, uh, Stockholm syndromed at this point. Uh, but it's a, it's a nice, like, comfort game to do while, like, I, sometimes I'll listen to a podcast, but usually I'll put, like, a let's play or something that I, I wouldn't, doesn't need my full attention, but it's, it's like, I can kill two birds with one stone. Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> um, I okay. don't know if we'll, we'll probably not talk about it to this much length in every episode, but uh, I'll definitely give updates as to what level I am at and All where right. I am at the story. 
Um, yeah, I can't can't wait to do stuff with you in it. Mm-hmm. So last weekend, I played a different kind of MMO RPG, and by that I mean a medium multiplayer offline RPG. <laughs> uh, I attended Elder Scrolls Adamantia, or Adamantia, as they would okay. probably pronounce it, and. If you're an Elder Scrolls fan, you're probably thinking, what is that? That is not something I have ever heard of. That is a LARP, my friend, or a live-action roleplay. I have... I've been a casual on-and-off LARPer for about seven years now. Obviously, this was the first time that I had attended an event in, like, two and a half years due to the global pandemic, and... Players were required to submit a negative COVID test. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, apparently at, they did have uh, a first event three weeks prior that I did not attend. Just because, like, like, how much do you know about Elder Scrolls? I Actually, Elder Scrolls is a series I never got into. I have only barely, barely dabbled in Skyrim. Yeah, me neither. Like, I I am not super fond of Bethesda open-world RPGs. Uh, I think they're a bit too open-ended for me. And Elder Scrolls especially, I, I, just, I think, like, general fantasy is, is not one of my favorite genres. Like... Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, it's all just kind of generic to me. I, I, I'm, I know that'll upset somebody, and I'm sorry. Again, uh, like, as, as same as you have only dabbled in Skyrim a little bit. But fortunately, being an Elder Scrolls fan or having a lot of Elder Scrolls knowledge is not a barrier of entry into oh, this game. Good. It is set in the 202nd year of the fourth era for the the lore heads listening. I have been brushing up on my Elder Scrolls lore since game. And for those in the know, that is set a year after the beginning of the events of Skyrim. And it is set in High Rock, which is a neighboring province that was the setting for Elder Scrolls II Daggerfall. And it is set in a place called Azra's Crossing. And I wasn't planning on attending, but I have a friend who, he is uh, now an ST or storyteller, which is okay. essentially a, the LARP equivalent of a dungeon ma master. Usually LARPs have multiple of those because one person running an event attended by 50 plus people is a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't planning to attend, but my friend who attended the first game uh, as a Falmore NPC and... A lot of stuff happened, and he was concerned that his character would be assassinated, and so he 
bribed a couple of us to attend game as bodyguards. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Yeah, he, um, at first I was only going to lend him my bow for somebody else to use, but in the end I was like, yeah, I can, I can show up Friday night for a couple hours before I have to run off to my graveyard shift. And I ended up coming back the next day after I had, I had gotten some sleep after work. And it was really good. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to say, cause like this was like their fourth or fifth game and I have not attended any of the previous games. I'm, it's hard to say like what the quality was compared to those ones. And I do, my, my one minor complaint would have been like, because I was hired as a marksman. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I like shooting a bow because I'm not very good in physical combat. Okay. Uh, I like to feel useful by, like, shooting projectiles. I'm decent at it from a close distance, at least. But I didn't get to partake in any combat Friday night because I, I left very shortly after the game had actually started. But Sunday, I arrived at, like, 1 p.m., and I, we didn't see any monsters until 6 so that's that's five hours where we're basically making our own fun and i i don't think like they were like sts were doing nothing uh i'm sure i'm sure like that prep had to be done and there was other stuff happening that i probably missed because you can't witness everything at a larp you only have your one your one perspective and that also makes it difficult to kind of tell exactly what happened at a game. Because uh, some a lot of details you have to pick up from other people. So, quick question. When sure. you say you didn't see a monster, so, like, are mo- how do monster encounters work? Does someone act the part of the monster, or...? Yeah, usually STs will be like, okay, it is time... They, they will have a plan and they will have crew, which are like a bunch of players who are NPCs currently, because people will tend to do like shifts as their main character and then help out as a crew. And there are incentives for that. Usually if you crew, you get awarded with extra EXP to spend leveling up your character. I didn't get to crew last weekend, but uh, next time I'm definitely motivated to do more crewing because I I want to level up my new character. <sighs> Sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. Uh, yeah, usually they'll they will se- tell players like, okay, you you are this, you have these stats, and you're to go out and do this, and usually that means like the monsters will, like, run out into the middle of town and start attacking people, and then suddenly all the PCs are alert, and, like, there's there's a big fight in the woods or something. <laughs> um, and it, it's usually very chaotic. And another, another little 
little gripe that I have is when LARP monsters or enemies are immune to mundane damage. What do you mean by mundane? So you would go up to, like, say you have, uh, like, I have a sword and a dagger. I would go up to a monster and hit it, and it would say no effect. Okay. Because it is only susceptible to magic or magically infused weapons. Like, sometimes, for, for, for some encounters, I'm fine with that. Especially, like, higher level monsters. Like, if you're fighting a big bad or something. But I think this was just, like, a group of vampires or undead. I'm not even sure exactly what they were. But they, they were, like, hooded people with, like, masks. And, <laughs> like, I brought my bow to shoot at things. And uh, I, I, would, I would shoot my, my arrows, and they would also have no effect. And in that kind of scenario, you have to scramble to find a person with skill in magic who can bless your weapon or whatever and i was able to get a magic dagger um from somebody but nobody knew the skill necessary to bless a bow which i at least nobody in my that i could find in the moment because like i said right. it's quite it's quite chaotic when <laughs> you're in the middle of a fight earlier on we before the monsters attacked and we we were sort of doing our own thing uh, another character proposed to our characters that we hold an archery competition so we had that in the middle of town and it costs a couple septums to enter and um because people could bet on certain entrance and i just totally beefed it <laughs> the we were like 60 paces away from the target which for normal arrows probably fine but these for are larping arrows the, i was using larp arrows and <laughs> unfortunately these arrows are not ones that i had wrapped with tape and rubberized as i have in the past but yeah it just it just kind of it kind of sucked not being able to feel useful in that moment and my character did die oh no it uh, i did take like i had taken some damage and a guy brought me down to zero and technically i i didn't have to die like because you're brought down to zero you are given a five minute bleed out counter for somebody to find you and heal you. And it had been, it had been a couple minutes, but it hadn't quite been five. But they, they told me that I had the choice whether or not I wanted to uh, live or not. And I, I just decided, nah, I'm, I'm good with death. I'm good with death. I, I played a, not a Thalmor, but I did play an Aldmeri or a, a high elf, a young high elf in his, like, his late 30s, which is, like, early teens in the life cycle of an elf. And high elves are quite, like, pompous and egocentric. 
and I kind of had to go along with that. And it's it's not something I'm very good at or feel comfortable with. Right. So I just, I wasn't totally feeling this character, which is fine because like I didn't, I didn't even make the character. Like my friend made it for me last minute and I didn't, I didn't hate it, but it was coming to a time in the night when I was tired and I wasn't going to be useful for very longer. And I had been itching to play a new type of character. So I decided to let Aelor, the Aldmeri, die. Uh, but fortunately, <laughs> I still gained the two EXP from attending that I could spend towards my new character. And let me tell you, I am feeling very inspired over the last week to, to to make a new this new character. Well, that's good. So does the EXP, like, do you, like, I don't know, I'm just throwing out numbers here, but if your character that died was level 4, do you make your new one at level 4, or do you start down at, like, level 1? Uh, in that kind of a scenario, I'm not sure. I think you would start down at level 1. Um, but it's not easy to die, I think. Like I said, like five minutes to for someone to find you and heal you, that is pretty generous, I think. Okay. Um, but once that happens, then yeah, there's there's no coming back from that. Um, but fortunately, because this was my first game and like this character didn't get to rank up at all, um, they allowed me to get that exp for it but what i'm what i'm really feeling like playing in future games is a healer which is weird because the healer is never uh an, uh, an rpg archetype that i've been particularly interested in uh but i've just i've realized that i'm not particularly great in combat and I, I want to break into the more character side of roleplay in LARP. And I'm also not a very confident character roleplayer. Right. And I, it's, it's, I find it difficult to like break into any roleplay that is already like happening or, or even to initiate it with somebody. It's, it feels weird. And I'm hoping that by by playing a healer and by making my like ingratiating myself as a needed role in the game, like that will incline people to roleplay with me more. So do you think your stance, do you think you're gonna be like one of the kind of angry healers? <laughs> you're like a jaded healer? <laughs> um no. No. I uh so the I I've actually I've actually been giving a bunch of thought into this character. So he is going to be like 16, 17. He's a he's a teenager like prodigy and was like born the son of a like high-ranking mage in the College of Whispers, which is a, a mage faction. And um but their parent is like specializes in destruction and basically like the opposite kind of magic that mm, uh, okay. I'm going for because I'm trying to go for like full support healer. I'm basically making a white mage 
and, right. and, and like I even my costume like I want I want to make a white mage costume <laughs> and I want to make like a big like curled staff and a spell book that's gonna like hang from like a belt around my um, my shoulder and I, I'm, I'm go going into alchemy too so I want to make like a potion bag but character wise he's he's like he's bright he's he's a he's an innocent good boy and he's a little bit naive <laughs> but he doesn't like this portion of the podcast was unfortunately redacted to prevent in-character metagaming, but hey, if you're a member of the BC LARPing community and you're hearing this, thanks for listening. But this this group seems... it seems decent, at least. How, how many people are, do you have for that group? Or that, like, that, that location? We had... Uh, around 30 to 40? Maybe? Like it okay. was, it was a decent turnout for a LARP. I have, I have been to less populated LARPs. I, I think they're just, just because it is a LARP and we've been so starved for events. And I think there's also the draw of it is based on Elder Scrolls. Right. Like that is definitely going to draw people who are fond of that, that franchise. I, I actually like that it is based on. Elder Scrolls, it, it's it's quite convenient for me because one aspect that I've always found unfortunate about a bunch of LARPs I've attended, especially longer running LARPs that have their own original world, is that mm -hmm. because these games uh, like build a story over a long period of time, like you come into a game and you're hearing bits and pieces of games years past and oh, yeah there's i've always wished that there's like a comprehensive guide or wiki to the history of that <laughs> game so like i could i could brush up and like it would make it easier for new players to to role play knowing the history right. and that that makes it quite convenient for me in Elder Scrolls because I can just bring up the Elder Scrolls wiki and learn about the world and we this game has a discord server and one of the channels is for game recaps so oh, okay that's cool yeah so there there will be a way to keep track of things so it's okay if you miss a session or two you weren't there from the very beginning because at least you can look back and get yourself up to speed then yeah for sure oh neat yeah so yeah I am very inspired to to keep doing that i don't know when the next larp is going to happen maybe something may happen before the end of this year but chances are it's not going to be until spring of 2023 so oh, okay. but that gives me plenty of time to work on an impressive white mage kit <laughs> is that mainly because of like a weather thing yeah, generally a weather thing and probably like a a booking the site thing because right. it comes down to the venue as well. Shall we move on to the news? I don't have anything too, too exciting going on for news. Like I've got a couple little things coming up, but... Yeah, me me neither. It's It's been... For, for online announcements and stuff, it's been... A slow couple of weeks. 
I think save for the Nintendo Direct that it came out, what, last weekend? Uh, was it weekend? I feel like it was just earlier this week. It might have like been, or, a, it might have been on Monday on like or Tuesday or something. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're possibly right about that. Um, <laughs> cause I, I, someone at my work, um, she is a big Zelda fan and I, I came in, I believe that night and she was like, did you see it? Tears of the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> I, it looks cool. The, that bit of key art that they put out is very pretty. Yeah. And it was, it was only a, a brief trailer, but they've still showed more of Breath of the Wild, which is coming out in over a year. It's like holiday 2023. And they've shown more of that game than they have showed of the Mario movie, which is supposed <laughs> to come out of in spring. Like, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that movie. Neither do I. Like, they have only released a cast list. And that spring of 2023 date, I believe, like, that that was delayed a bit already. Right. So I don't know if they're going to delay it more or if very soon they're just going to drop a trailer. <laughs> but, you know... Seeing how the the first Sonic movie went, man, I I I would I would give those animators time to possibly react to any outcry, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure how to feel about that. I I don't like Illumination just as in general as a studio. Like it's right. the the stuff they make is like well produced, but vapid like disposable media and i i hate minions so much juliana <laughs> i i hate those oh, little i, I hate those Don't little worry, yellow bastards so much but uh yeah i'm not sure how to feel about that they they did mention it when uh miyamoto was on screen he said they're putting on finishing touches so hopefully we'll see something soon yeah i I don't know. They showed off. They showed off Bayonetta three. Oh, that one I'm 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 quite excited about too. Yeah, they they have that. I forget the. Is her name Viola? Like this this the new character. She looks kind of punky. Uh. She basically looks like a female version of Nero from Devil May Cry. Was it Viola? I don't remember. <laughs> I I I could be totally misremembering. But I've kind of been I've kind of been wrapped up in the fact that they're like doing another uh, that they're releasing Tales of Symphonia and they're calling it a remaster. It looks exactly kind of... the same. I, <laughs> I saw like side by side screenshots and I'm like, there's like no difference. <laughs> like they have like AI upscaled, very 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 like low res textures. <laughs> And it it doesn't. You can only up-res that so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I there are a lot of lot of stuff coming to Switch that is already available elsewhere, which is unfortunately why I I don't touch my Switch a whole lot. In fact, I don't 
know where my Switch is in my house. I know it's not in plain sight, but if I wanted to find it, I would have to, like, rummage through some boxes, I think. Oh, jeez. Um, which I need to do soon, because I'm actually going to a movie night later tonight, and one of my friends is lending me the new Kirby game that came out this year. Oh, Forgotten Lands? Yeah, Forgotten That's a Lands. Cute game. Yeah, I've been I've been meaning to play it. So, uh, tune into episode two for stuff about that. <laughs> um, but uh, I saw some stuff about Nintendo sixty four emulation, which doesn't yep. n does not excite me because, like you you know me, I I do a lot of emulation, and Nintendo's Nintendo sixty four emulation has not been widely well received mm. but i i did raise an eyebrow when they announced goldeneye and i raised the other one when they said featuring online multiplayer uh um, yeah that's amazing that's that's cool cause... that's gonna make a lot of people very happy i think goldeneye is okay i i've got fond memories of playing multiplayer at sleepovers at a friend's when we were really little, but I don't think it's aged super great. I'm far more fond of Time Splitters 2 on the GameCube, which <laughs> has very similar gameplay, but does is doesn't have the James Bond license. So they do a bunch of cool stuff. But yeah, that's that is cool that not only they're getting a, a rare rare game, which is not only tied up with James Bond licenses, but Microsoft. Yeah. Like, that's that's really impressive. <laughs> oh, did you... I assume, did you see that bit about, like, fitness boxing, but they got, like, a Fist of the North Star fitness boxing? I did! I did see the, <laughs> the heckin' the, the Kenshiro boxing. And I'm like, that's silly, but... I, way, way to keep Fist of the North Star relevant, I guess. <laughs> There are so many Harvest Moon clones coming out, though. Uh, like there yeah, were, well, there were. In fairness, st Story of Seasons is just Harvest Moon. Mm -hmm. Like, like literally, it's it's just Harvest Moon. That Wonderful Life is the game is a remake of the GameCube game. Yeah, um, I and I think just... I think Rune Factory. Like, while that is like an RPG spinoff, I believe that is made by the Harvest Moon Company. At least. Yeah, same people, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I just, I, I kind of, I, I definitely laughed out loud uh, when the up next screen came up for the game Harvestella, I think it's called. <laughs> and the, the cheery announcer is like, can you survive the season of death? <laughs> that, that was really funny. Uh, I want Pikmin 4. I, I know they, they didn't show a whole lot of anything, but... Yeah. Oh, God, I love Pikmin. Yeah, Pikmin's, Pikmin's cool. Yeah, uh, I, I did find that funny. Like, Miyamoto is like, Yeah, we're, we're, still, we're still working on Breath of the Wild and that Mario movie. You guys want to hear about Pikmin? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was cool. Do you know what his official title is at Nintendo? Miyamoto's? Yeah. Because uh, he used to be president, no, I No, I don't think he was- he was never or, president. No, not- not president, but, like... Uh, I don't know what head of development, like, 
lead creative they they uh like title he used to have but now he has a unique title called creative fellow oh really yeah because I, I think he used to be like he used to be something like a senior managing director or something of the sort yeah like that. that's very, what i was that's what i was thinking of very uh, but you're you're right title. he was he was never president and then it's just Really, they changed his title to just like fellow. <laughs> yeah, he is create. He is creative fellow. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's all I got for the direct. What? What else happened? The queen passed away. Yeah, the queen passed away. And that's, that's the whole thing. I was reading weird. an article. I know, end of an era, right? We're not going to see another queen in our lifetime unless something like happens to. Um, that kid that's like three gener like three generations down because his sister he has a sister I think should something happen to him like some freak accident that happens to him as a child I think his sister would take over after yeah I do not pay attention to the royal matters at all so so what is going to happen immediately then? oh immediately uh, Charles has been crowned king. Oh, really? So, we Elizabeth, have a king. Elizabeth II's son is now king. It's like, we'll see another changeover in our lifetime because he's like 70 something. Oh, he's yeah. Like 73. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I looked it up the other day. So, he's king now. Uh, when he either abdicate or passes, it will go to his son, William, I think is his name. Okay. And then when he abdicator passes, he'll go to his son George, and George right now is like like a kid, like a oh, okay. young child. But like, should something ha I think I think should something happen to George, um, like 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 I said, like freak accident or something. Should something happen to George, I think it would go to his sister Charlotte. I see. But but otherwise, everyone in good health. The next. Uh, the the newly appointed and the next two in line are all male, so they're we just have it in line for three kings to be next. Wow, I have yeah no I it's sad that we'll never we'll probably never see another queen in our lifetime, but seeing a king on the throne was not something I ever thought I was gonna see happen. Oh yeah, because we've only ever known the queen on the throne. <laughs> No, that's been one weird constant throughout our whole lives. But no, it's, it, it would have been bound to happen sooner or later. Like, nobody lives forever, and we knew yeah, she was no, in her 90s. No, that's, like. that's absolutely true. I know. But, like... But we have never known... We, we, were, we were born at a time when we were still taught God save yeah. the queen. We, I don't know. Do they change and that what, song? What are, they gonna do, what are they gonna do now? Are they gonna change the lyric? They might. They have to completely rewrite the whole song. It's still, it's I don't I don't think so because it's it's single syllable, so you just replace single syllable and I don't. Yeah. I don't think at any point does the word queen have to hmm. rhyme with it. Yeah, you're right. I guess it's it's close enough. So it could just turn into God save the king. Who knows? Maybe there's a whole backup song we've never known about. Maybe maybe they have to pull something from, like, the 14th, 15th century. 
<laughs> I don't know. But it is an interesting thing I was reading, too, that it was during Elizabeth II's reign that they basically... I, I don't remember the exact year. It's like mid-2010s or something, but they finally they passed an act where the next in succession does not immediately go to, like, the oldest male child. It's just the firstborn now, mm. male or female. Just coincidentally, they're all yeah. male for the next three people. <laughs> just... But it's, it's why, because I was looking it up, because she has, uh, she has a daughter as well, and, like, I think she has, like, three sons and a daughter or something like that? But I was looking it up, and, like, the daughter is, like, 16th in line to the throne, and I looked up this roadmap, it's because it goes, like, basically, that, that thing about the firstborn being able to get, the, like, just going in order of, like, oldest to youngest only takes effect for anybody born after, like, 20 like 13 or 2015 or something of that sort so the roadmap for succession goes like in a straight line down and then just starts going like topsy-turvy <laughs> weavy everywhere else <laughs> i guess we'll hear news about a coronation soon or whatever yeah but i think he's technically king charles at this point acting king because I've seen some news articles that refers to him as King Charles. I just, I don't imagine they do the coronation before they do the funeral. That's all. Yeah. I guess you're right. That that hasn't happened yet. Wow. That is, that is soon. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy your day off. <laughs> Thanks. So this is the inbox, our community engagement section of the podcast. And, uh-oh. Uh... -oh. uh Juliana? Slight trouble? Yeah, we, uh, we might have messed up. <laughs> we, uh, the box is empty, Juliana. Who ate the mail? Nobody, <laughs> nobody knows we have a podcast, Juliana. <laughs> well, this embarrassment aside, if you want to send us any questions or comments, uh, and want us to respond to them, you can reach out to us at madmillennialmediamunchers, all one word, at gmail.com, or on Twitter at madmmmuncherpod. And that is going to do it for this episode of Mad Millennial Media Munchers. Yes, yeah, send questions. I like questions. I overthink questions. You'll get a response that's like way longer than you anticipate. <laughs> yeah, and that's a that's a good way to get to know us a bit better. Thank you so much for listening. I know that it I know it isn't always easy to take a chance on a new podcast and I'm sure we were a bit loose and stiff for this one, but who knows, maybe check back in 20 to 40 episodes and maybe we'll be pros at it by that point. We'll be second nature by then. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Juliana, for joining me on this. Oh, of course, my pleasure. Thanks for having me here. And we'll see you next time. Bye! That was perfect. That was a perfect outro.